He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What is good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Jim Woodward, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys with you today. And Taylor, I have to start off the show by giving you a big shout out because on our Wentworth preview last week, I sat there and I said that Shane Lowry had lost strokes on the greens like seven out of his last eight events. I'm fading him this week. And you said, and so did Woody, but you were really strong in the fact that you really liked Shane Lowry this week on this golf course. He played there more than anybody and you were exactly right, T-Dub. Shane Lowry goes on to win the BMW PGA Championship at Wentworth. What are your thoughts? I mean, it looked like it was an absolutely stellar finish coming down the stretch. Uh, really, the only one of the few shots I saw playing in a golf tournament this weekend was Rory's putt on 18. He had a very good eagle chance to win there to tie Jane Lowry and end up not doing it. But yeah, you know, it seems like I can only be right so many times, Woody, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, count it when I can. But uh, I didn't see that much of the golf, so I'm going to defect to you guys to let us know how it all broke down because it seemed like the leaderboard when it all got done was pretty damn interesting. Yeah, the weekend really was interesting, especially the final day on Sunday. Um, Lowry shoots 65. I mean, he he really played some solid golf. And what can you say about Rory? I mean, Rory's on a heater. Rory is playing some fabulous golf right now. I thought it was kind of uh, – I was happy for Shane Lowry. Of course, he had to, you know, throw in his two cents about the live and everything else with his uh, victory speech. But – I get it. I mean, he's bragging about the DP tour, and the DP tour needs all the help they can get also. So um, it was a fun weekend to watch. I didn't get to watch a lot of it. I got to watch more on Sunday than I did uh, the first couple of days with the Queen dying and all that stuff going on. It was uh, – I thought it was kind of ironic it went to 54 holes. <laughs> we Absolutely. were kind of laughing. Very we ironic. Were we were texting each other when I when the Queen died. I said, this is going to be a 54-hole tournament just like live. And all of us kind of giggled, and sure enough, that's what it turned out to be. <laughs> Absolutely. And, guys, I mean, John Rahm, on an absolute heater, finishes back nine. He finishes with a 29. He also birdied number nine. So he goes birdie, 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 eagle, birdie, par, bogey, birdie, birdie, eagle to finish on his last 10 holes to shoot a 10 under 62, guys. And, and Woody, you were watching the golf, and so was I. There was a time there where I'm thinking, I mean, just telling yourself you got to shoot a three under on this back nine to just catch up to Rom. I mean, that's not necessarily that easy. I don't care if you are Shane Lowry or Rory McIlroy. Well, the one thing about Rom, we know about John Rom. John Rom, when he gets it on a roll, look out. I mean, and the uh, only thing he had happened to him is he just ran out of holes. If they could have made it a 21-hole finish, he might have won the golf tournament. That's right. That's it. That's exactly right. And guys, obviously, Taylor Gooch with another great tournament finishes solo fourth, shot five under in the final round to finish at 15 under, only behind Rom McElroy and Lowry. And Taylor Gooch with this solo fourth finish uh, has basically secured his spot in the Masters T-Dub. And let me pull it up here. I have the exact numbers here. Um, 
it means that now Taylor Gooch has moved from 46th to 35th, uh, and so that probably secures his spot for the Masters, uh, barring anything crazy happening behind him. Yeah, so there, there's two different criteria, because we always talk about the top 50 in the World Golf Rankings, that criteria. There's a top 50 cutoff, what it is, the top 50 at the final end of the calendar year, so if you're in the top 50 at the end of December 31st, 2022, you'll be in the Masters, and also it's the top 50 if you are, if you're in the top 50 the week going into the Masters tournament, or the week prior, I mean. So what has traditionally been the Valero Texas Open the last few years, uh, before that, if you move in the top 50 right before that, you will be in. So, yeah, I think with uh, Gooch being in 35th as he is right now, I don't think there's any chance that he can drop outside of the top 50. So, yeah, it looks like that he has secured a spot, Sam, even though we do have a little bit of question going on because he did technically finish 29th in the FedEx Cup rankings. It was just that whenever they revised it after the suspensions and the, the live exile type stuff that they took him out. So he's not going to have to worry about that, it looks like, because it looks like he's already going to be in for being top 50 on December 31st. Yeah, exactly. And Woody, I mean, <laughs> Taylor Gooch is sitting there only a few shots out of the lead. I mean, Patrick Reed is in the same boat. But yesterday I was watching, and I mean, we, we saw a second shot into 18. We saw him tap in on 18. But other than that, he was just a name moving up on the leaderboard on Sunday. They didn't show the live guys very much at all. I know that they didn't show him at all on Thursday or Friday. But even on the weekend, they did not want to mention that Patrick Reed was in the lead of the golf tournament for a little bit. And they definitely didn't want to mention that Taylor Gooch was making a run on Sunday as well. Well, it, it, we've, we've, we've talked about this, and I, I just kind of think it's sad in a way that that's what they're still doing because I think down when it gets right down to it, I think people want to watch and see the best golfers and see the guys making a run. I know Mr. and Mrs. Gooch couldn't have been happy with that because I don't think they were in London. They might have been, but, uh, I you know, I just – I think it's so childish is all I can say. I, I wish everybody would grow up. Absolutely. And T-Dub, eight guys from Live finished in the top 23. So it was a really good showing from the Live guys. You had Taylor Gooch in fourth. Patrick Reed, who I mentioned, shoots nine under in the final round. Um, he finishes uh, tied for fifth. And then you had uh, Lee Westwood, who continues to play vintage Westwood golf, shoots seven under on Sunday, uh, finishes 12 under, tied for 13th. Um, you had guys like Sam Horsfield and Abraham Answer in 18th. And then uh, Wiesberger um, and Richard Bland also uh, tied for 23rd there. So there was some really solid play from the live guys. I think they handled the pressure pretty well yeah and it, it's pretty much like we said in our preview show right i mean some of the names were a little bit different but eventually out of the out of the top 20 favorites or so about 30 percent of them were were live guys and that's eventually what came out to be and in all honesty you know like i didn't watch it but it, it made for a lot better leaderboard at least on paper i mean you had all these different guys up there taylor gooch finishes only two back at 1,500, actually, when I got up to go play my tournament, Patrick Reed was leading at 1,400. He had just finished with his 63, and, you know, you think that he may – at the time, you know he doesn't have a chance because there's so much uh, golf to play. But at that same time, guys, and I want to tell opinion on this because I haven't heard that many people talk about it. Victor Hovland and, and Soren Kelson were in the final group, I believe, and both of them only shot two under each. So w what was going wrong with them? How come neither one of them were able to make much of a move? 
I think that T-Dub, I, I watched Hovland a lot, and it really surprised me. What You can kind of back me on this. I thought that he hit the driver worse than I've ever seen him hit the driver there on Sunday there for a while. He kept hitting this kind of, you know, toe hook left into the trees, and he was striping the irons. What he, did you see anything technically that made you think, like, he was just striping every single iron shot right over the pin, but he couldn't put a driver on the face of the earth? I thought that... What was kind of funny is that golf course is tight, which when you watched it, you could see it was really narrow. And sometimes it looked like to me, I know this is going to sound crazy to you, but I thought he was standing maybe just a tad too far from the golf ball with his driver because what he likes to hit almost like a little bit of a come-over pull kind of cut. Yep. And what he was hitting was – that little toe ball that was a hook shot and it was totally opposite of what he normally hits that driver. And it it just looked like his ball position was a little bit different with the driver than what I've seen in the past. He would look like he was just somewhat reaching for the golf ball. And so when he made that move, he's catching it just slightly on the toe. You know, sometimes golf can seem really difficult, but at other times it can be really, really easy. If you're hitting the ball on the toe, there's really only two things that could be going wrong with it. You're either probably too far from the golf ball or your arms are collapsing somewhat in the hitting area, which moves your body, your arms a little closer to your body, which brings the toe into play. If you look at a golf ball and you look at the face of a club, it's kind of amazing they can swing at 115 miles an hour and find the middle of the club all the time. And if you don't, it'll put a little bit of different spin on the golf ball. And he just never looked comfortable with his driver yesterday. Yeah, you're exactly right. And it's kind of amazing that final round, he only made bogeys on number nine and number 13. Um, But, you know, he took himself out of the hole on holes like four and and some other easier holes there um, on that back nine when he could have made a run. And so to me, it was just one of those kind of another tournament where Victor Hovland did some really solid things and just couldn't quite get it done. The, The positives are the short game looked pretty solid throughout the tournament. And I, I look for Victor Hovland to have a pretty good year next year. Let's talk about Shane Lowry guys. And I did mention the putting and he has been struggling, but he finally gets on some greens that he really likes. Woody, have you seen anything different from Shane Lowry on the greens? Because yesterday it seemed like uh, to me that he made the Eagle putt on number four. um, And then he just felt comfortable all day or he looked comfortable all day because then he goes and birdies seven, eight, 10 and 12 that are huge key birdies when he's trying to catch up to John Rahm. It seemed like he was very under control. And even after the round, he mentioned that he just kind of wanted to let himself go play some golf, you know, and stop worrying about all the off the course stuff and and just kind of let it happen. They always say there's courses for horses or horses for courses, however you want to say it. And he likes this golf course and putting is so much mental. We've discussed this all year long. If, if you are looking at a putt and you actually feel like you've got the, the thing red right, that changes your whole atmosphere. It changes your whole attitude. It just If you really feel like, hey, I see the line, I can see this ball going in the hole, I think what people don't realize, putting is much more mental than it is mechanical. You can sometimes put a bad stroke on the golf ball. Now, you can't will Zalatoris, but you can put a maybe, maybe not all that great a roll on it, 
But if you see the line and you have confidence in the line, you can make putts. And and we said before the tournament started, this is one golf course that he really likes. He's comfortable on it. He's really comfortable on the greens. And I think that's what you saw Sunday. I, I think he actually thought he was going to make every putty hit, which, boy, that hadn't been happening with Shane at all. 100%. You have any thoughts on that, T-Dub? I mean, he was your guy. Yeah, so look, looking at it, guys, he gained .81 strokes on the greens yesterday. And in the, the last five times he's played Wentworth since they were able to do the strokes gain, he's gained 1.05, 0 .05, 0 .15, 0 .15, 0 .75, and .81 as he did yesterday around the green. So, you know, just to Woody's point, it just seems like that he is comfortable on that type of surface, whether it be the, the, the type of grass or whether it just be the way the putts break. Maybe maybe he heard a, a tip from a caddy or something like that about the way the putts break, and maybe that's something that's got him going. But whatever it is, he absolutely loves this place. And we don't have the one-and-done pool for any uh, DP World Tournament. So if we did, I would, save, I would save Shane Lowry every year for this course going forward. And then, guys, we got to see a few other names that we don't normally get to see. T-Dub mentioned one, Soren Kelson, uh, Thomas Dietrich, uh, Rafa Cabrera-Bello, who they showed a lot instead of Taylor Gooch in that final round. Francesco Molinari, Eduardo's dickhead brother. Uh, if you followed us on the podcast from the very beginning, you'll get that inside joke there. And then Billy Horschel obviously finishes tied for ninth. And then Matthew Pavin. Do any of those lesser names uh, kind of stick out to you, Woody? Of, of guys that might have impressed you this past week? I I just don't watch the DP Tour. I, I hate to admit that to you, but I just don't watch those guys unless they're playing a World Golf Championship or something on the PGA Tour. So and what it does show me, Sam, is there are so many great players around the world. I, I think that's why we, we're cheating ourselves if we think the best players in the world are the 125 on the PGA Tour. That, that That's bogus. I mean, it's really bogus. There's 25 or 30 guys on our PGA Tour. There's 25 guys on that Live Tour. There's 25 guys on that DP Tour that can win any week they go out if they get the right breaks. And you know what? I, I think this is what's so funny. I, I think what you're seeing is we need – more golf tournaments where the world plays. If you're wanting to watch the world's best golfers. I totally agree, guys. And by the way, we, we got some interesting rumors on Twitter over the past 24 hours, T-Dub, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, there was Golf Lover UK who has tweeted out some of the live rumors that have ended up being true. Uh, so you can take this for what it's worth, but it's at Golf Lover UK and it says, my info has always been spot on for players going to live. I've just been informed that a top 10 player is going to live. He's uh, aggrieved at the PGA proposal and the quote-unquote Rory Tour. I guess we will see in a few days. Do you, do you have any thoughts on that, T-Dub? Well, it's uh, it's very interesting. Like I said, that account has been fairly accurate with everything going forward. So if we look at the top 10 in the world currently, guys, you have Scotty Scheffler, Rory, Cam Smith, who's already over there, Cantlay, Shoffley, Rom, JT, Zalatoris, Morikawa, and Victor Hovland rounds up the top 10. A lot of those guys, we can probably go ahead and x going. I don't think Rory's going to go because he was already listed in that reason for someone not liking Rory being in charge, so I don't think he's going to do it. Uh, <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, uh, Justin Thomas, probably not going to do it. He's Tiger's little brother. That's not going to happen. 
Zalatoris has came out and been very, very supportive of the PJ Tour. So has Morikawa. So I'm probably going to throw them out. But we, we have guys who have, who have been rumored. You have, you have Cantley and Shoffley. They were rumored back in the day. John Rahm's been very, very open about his uh, animosity towards who's running these changes. So I don't know if I had to put my if I had to put my money out there. I'd probably say it's John Rahm, Sam. I mean, what do you think? Did you think it could be anyone else? I mean, I think it could be Cantlay or Shoffley just because we heard the rumors for a long time. But the more you look at it, I can see why a guy like John Rahm, who in his mind thinks he is the best player in the world and the most important player on the PGA Tour, I can see why he might be a little pissed off that Rory McIlroy is getting all this credit for everything. And you have to remember that he played for Tim Mickelson at ASU. And Tim Mickelson, what he actually left... ASU to be John Rahm's manager uh, for a few years on the PGA Tour before Tim Mickelson went on to be Phil Mickelson's caddy. So do you have any thoughts on it? I would tell you that it's 90% John Rahm. Now, do you think it's a smoke screen or do you think it's actually true? No, I believe I said this last week, if you guys remember, we're not done yet. There's going to be some other big name go before the end of the year. And I've always been in the back of my mind thinking it's Rom more than anything about the comments that he has kind of made. And Sam, I think he hit the nail on the head when you were talking about John Rom's ego because it's big, it's large. Everyone knows that those guys out there have big egos. And I don't think Rom likes what's going on with the Rory and Tiger Tour. I, I, I really don't. So if you had those players all lined up, I would put all of my money on John Rahm leaving. And that makes sense, T-Dub. I was just going to mention when John Rahm, uh, he, he acted surprised uh, that the tour was going to go to 20 tour or twenty events that they had to play in. That's including the playoffs and the, ma- and the majors. But he looked surprised. And in this tweet, it says that, you know, whoever this player is, is aggrieved with the new proposals. No, you're absolutely right because John Rahm brought up the point of, well, if you have dual if you're, dual citizenship, dual membership on the PGA Tour and DP World Tour, are you still going to be holding the same standards because you have to play on both tours? You're going to play 35 events a year. And so that's one of the things that he was upset about. But but the question I want to ask you guys is, because I do think Rahm, let's say that the rumor that came out is true, that's going to happen. Someone who, who, is, who is number 10 in the world, Victor Hovland, it seems like rumors of him going to live have been around even before like Cam Smith rumors. So, Sam, do you think there's any validity that he may be the one that they're talking about? I don't know. I feel like we would know more about that than anybody else. And it seems like, you know, those rumors were floating around before Liv even had their first event in London. And then, you know, we get more reports that he's kind of changed his mind and wanted to stay with the PGA Tour. I feel like, you know, we're about as close as you can get media-wise to uh, to Victor Hovland or, or Oklahoma State, uh, you know, PGA Tour players. So I, I And I haven't heard anything whatsoever. So I don't know about Woody. I haven't heard anything. And the only reason why maybe Hovland is that Matthew Wolf might have gotten hold of him and said, Victor, this, this deal is this – deal- perfect it's wonderful it's the best thing since sliced bread because i know that matthew wolf is one happy camper that he is no longer having to play the pga tour so it's possible i just think it's wrong i just i just bet the world it's wrong 
Yeah, and, and even guys that are, you know, good friends with Wolf, like an Austin Eckro who we had on the podcast. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if any of these guys go, right, especially after everything that we've seen. But as far as this one rumor from Twitter, I think that he's probably talking about John Rahm, and, and he has been pretty right in the past. So I guess we'll see uh, how it goes here in the future. Uh, Woody, why don't you tell us about our friends at Quail Creek Bank? Well, it, it's funny you should say that because one of the few times I have to pull out my golf club, and it, I've got to do it in the next uh, month. I got to do it next week. I'm I'm actually going to play in a uh, a fundraiser that the uh, chairman and president of Quail Creek Bank, uh, owner of Quail Creek Bank, puts on. And then I actually am going to play with my Quail Creek Bank friends uh, the month later out at Guardia. So. I always enjoy it because why? I always tell you how fun they are and how good a group of people they are. They make you feel at home even on the golf course. They're just such a good group of people. And we've talked about that numerous times, Sam. If, you, if you're if looking for a bank that they want to, you want them to know your name and you want them to take good care of you, it's Quail Creek Bank. So I'm looking forward to getting to play uh, some golf with them in uh, October and uh, with uh, the owner of the bank, Mark Davenport, here in about uh, a week. That sounds great, Woody. Everything uh, that Quail Creek Bank has done for us so far has been top-notch, and so definitely go visit Quail Creek Bank for all your banking needs. Guys, let's take a quick break, and then after the break, we're going to get into some other stuff in the golf world. But first, I want to tell everyone to not only go visit golfoklahoma.org like we always tell you to do. We're right there on the front page. Uh, but also, go see Colby Powell. Our man Colby Powell wrote a great story on uh Scotty Scheffler, that is on golfchannel.com. And then we are also on the sportsanimal.com and app as well. Now you can find our podcast right there in the podcast section on the Sports Animal app. All right, guys, let's take a quick break and we'll be back on Oklahoma's Leader in Golf, the 73rd Hole Podcast. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. Back here on the other side on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Guys, it was football season over the weekend and obviously the second week of college or I guess third if you count week zero. But uh, but the NFL started over the weekend as well. Um, one person was very excited uh, for college football season and that would be Sergio Garcia who went over and shot a 76 in the first round at Wentworth. 
and then the queen dies, and he's sitting over there, and he's thinking, I'm going to miss the cut anyways, so why don't I just leave England and uh, and head right back over uh, to Austin, Texas, and watch Texas play Alabama? I heard a lot of people giving Sergio crap for this, T-Dub. I'll start with you on it. But to me, I would have done the exact same thing. What? Why am I just going to spend a whole day that is canceled because the queen passed away and, and waste a whole day there? I'm just going to head back and watch my Longhorns play uh, Alabama. Yeah, it's, uh, it's something that I'm honestly surprised doesn't happen more often. I mean, you, you see guys who, who have no chance of making the cut the next day. They may have some sort of phantom injury or something like that. But, yeah, when you have a full, a full round delayed and then you have to come back on Saturday to play and you know you're not going to make the cut, I don't see any problem with it at all. It's just the extra dynamic of it, Sam, that, that's funny is that obviously it's a live player who's trying to get world ranking points and they've, you know, there's a big lawsuit about can the live guys even play in the DP World Tour. So then it's whenever you get to play in it, you play one round and then leave. That's probably why he was getting ripped. But I completely agree. I, I think that, like I said earlier, I'm surprised it doesn't happen more often because for me, there's very few things more frustrating than playing golf when you know you have no chance of playing the weekend. It's just like, give me the hell out of here. <laughs> Woody? I, well, I, I, I felt that way on more than one occasion. I, I, but we, I, we can't really be shocked. And Sergio has kind of, sealed his own fate. He went from that jumping kid in that fairway that almost beat Tiger Woods that everybody was so impressed with, and he's going to win all these majors, to a, to a guy that's torn up greens over in Saudi Arabia, to a, a guy that wouldn't, his last event on the, the PGA. Hole, Do what? Spitting in the hole, sitting in the cup. Remember yeah, when he did spit, that? Yeah, spitting in the cup wasn't anything good. And, and, and then when his last event at, 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 on the PGA Tour, he said, you know, I can't wait to get the hell out of here. This tour sucks, and da 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 da. So let's just say that Sergio's already had a little bit of an image problem, shall we say, in a nice way. So all I did is just confirm, uh, and a lot of people will use that as saying he's a jerk, and this confirms it. But and. Uh, in the bigger scheme of things, you know, the girl he married is from Texas. It was a big football game, to say the least. And he and Scotty Scheffler must have had some little bit of good luck because Texas almost beat them. In they looked pretty good, didn't Texas, they? I thought Texas wasn't going to beat them. So, um, you know, I don't think – let me just say this. Sergio goes to bed at night, and I promise you he doesn't really worry what's on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, any publications, I, he doesn't care anymore. He he's going to do what Sergio wants to do, and 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 that's fine. I, that's okay. I I don't have a big issue with it. I know he's a jerk. He knows he's a jerk. So let's move on. And guys, I mean, I think this is one of those situations where Sergio didn't really want to be there in the first place, but he had to go to get official World Golf ranking points, and he plays bad in the first round, so that means that the whole reason about why he's there is probably not going to pan out, and then, you know, Twitter bashes him when they see him throwing up the hook'em horns on the sideline for the Alabama game. Uh, to me, this is a non-story. I feel like, you know, it, it probably happens more than people realize. It's just Sergio and everything surrounding the tournament d-dub yeah I, I think it does too and just just with the queen's passing is is what led to this i don't think that had the tur- had he been able to play friday he wasn't going to leave thursday night and come on friday so i think that that played a lot into it was really the main thing to such a weird circumstance but i do just hope that sergio didn't have his tickets already for the saturday game because that wouldn't have been a very good look because he just knew he was going to miss the cup 
Yeah, but I feel like his wife could have already had the season tickets as well. And, and you know, it's just one of those deals for me. I don't think we should bash Sergio Ford, and that's not because I'm a live supporter or anything like that. I feel like guys on the PGA Tour probably do that stuff all the time, and we never even hear about it. Uh, guys, another little local tie here that we didn't get to last show but we need to talk about is the fact that Ricky Fowler, Woody, is going back to Butch Harmon. And obviously, we've talked about Ricky's struggles quite a bit on this show. I mean, do you think that this is a good decision for Ricky, or do you think it's too far gone? I don't think it's, I don't think it's too far gone. I think it's a fabulous decision for Ricky to do that. And, and I always question, I just wonder sometimes what these guys are thinking. Uh, I mean, he was doing so good with Butch. And then Butch decides he's not going to travel. And Ricky says, well, if you're not going to travel, then I'm going to go to another teacher. And obviously, whatever they were working on, it wasn't working. I mean, and, and kudos to Fowler because he, he stuck with this guy for three years, gentlemen. And, and in that three-year time, he's gone from what we call a world-class player to a guy that's barely keeping his playing privileges. So... Uh, you know, he needed to make a change. And going back to Butch, I, I said on that when we were on the air, I said, I think this is going to be awesome. I, th- I think you'll be surprised. I think Butch is so good. And I think I think he's going to have a big year next year. That's what I think. I think Butch will right the ship very quickly. Uh, I think he'll get his head back on straight. And I think that's what's killing Ricky right now. And with that, I look for power to have a big year. See up. It's something that I think that it is going to help Ricky, like like Woody said. I don't necessarily know if he's going to have a quote-unquote big year or not. What's interesting is that looking at the article that our man Coley Powell wrote on the Golf Channel, Fowler was 19th in the world uh, when he went to, uh, to Till- uh, Tillery in 2019, and he had gotten all the way up to fourth in 2016. But now, guys, he sits 178th in the rankings. It's, it's absolutely unbelievable. And you, on, on our analytics site, Data Golf, there has essentially what is a, a bar graph and, and it'll show you plot lines of, of where of how their game tracks over the course of strokes gained. And, and his is just coming down like no other. You go all the way back to 20, the end of 2014 where it's basically at its highest, and it's just kind of been a little bit of like a mountain range there. But going all the way to about 2020 up till now, it's just constantly gone downhill. You look at his last time he ever finishes. 64th, miscut, miscut, 38th, 47th, miscut, 64th, 57th. I, I mean, that's just nothing good at all. It's nothing – what we're used to seeing from Ricky Fowler, and he's already split with his uh, with his long term uh, caddy. Uh, I can't remember what his name is off the top of my head right now. Last name was a uh, Scalzon or something like that, I believe. So it's uh, it's Ricky's trying to make some changes here. I- I'm curious as to his fall started coming around 2019, like we mentioned. How much of that is him actually changing things in his swing versus you know just maybe off the course stuff is, is maybe not going wrong or maybe it's going right. You know, he got married. Maybe he doesn't. Enjoy golf as much as you do. There's so many elements to this that Ricky Fowler may be going through, but I do think him going back to Butch is a step in the right direction. And I, I definitely think that he, he's going to have a lot better year than he had this past year. I just don't know if it's going to be good if we're going to get to a point to where we think he's going to contend for PJ Tour events again, because I hope I'm wrong, but some part of me says those days may be gone. Yeah, and T-Dub, that was Joe Scoverin, and now he has Ben Showman on the bag. Um, to me, Woody, it seems like one of those deals for Ricky Fowler where it's kind of sometimes we see in sports a guy tries to get better and and kind of leaves what he's comfortable with. And, and 
you as a teacher, what's kind of the fine line there between, you know, doing something technically, uh, you know, to help yourself under pressure and kind of ultimately hurting yourself and kind of going away from what feels comfortable? I mean, obviously, Ricky was extremely comfortable when he finished, what, like top two and or top three in every single major there, um, you know, a few years back. To me, I, I feel like he just doesn't look comfortable whatsoever, whether it's under pressure or on Thursday afternoon. I find it hard to believe that when you've played golf at the level he's played, and I under, I get it in a way that these guys think they're missing something and they need this one special thing to take them over the hump. I just don't believe that. I, I, I can't even fathom when a guy, I know of one guy that has changed his swing multiple times, and that was Tiger Woods. But we're talking about Tiger Woods. Right. Okay, so... He doesn't. He breaks the mold with everything. In most cases, you will talk to guys. I remember when we had Bob Tway on earlier in the year. You remember what he said? Stop I've tinkering. Yep. Yeah, I changed some things in my swing. I was tinkering all the time. I was looking for something all the time. I, I get it. You can fall into that trap. Even the average golfer goes to the range. He has a. He's read something or he's taking a golf lesson. He says, "I got it." I got that thing. I got it figured out. Well, don't ever say that for our listeners because there are such a thing as the golf gods and they're listening. But don't say you got it. Please don't say you got it because <laughs> you're going to get burned. You are going to get burned when you say that. So I get it. Ricky, is uh, he has done everything now in the last month that a golfer can do. He's changed caddies and he's changed instructors. So he needs to go back to what makes Ricky comfortable. Like you said, he doesn't look comfortable. Whatever it is that he and Butch will work on, Butch will work between the ears more than he will work on his golf swing. I doubt very seriously if you watch Ricky swing next year, you're going to see a big change in his golf swing. Butch is going to take him back to the basics. He's going to build his confidence back up, which is absolutely ruined over these last three years. And that will change everything. You will not believe it. I, I'm telling you, I think he's going to have a big year. And what? And, and real, go ahead. Real, 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 real quick, Sam, I just want to bring up this point because we keep talking about the swing, and you look at the analytics. His, his last two years off the tee, he, he's still gaining shots off the tee, but it's not very many at all. Where in the past few years, he's gaining more than 0.5 almost every year, and his iron play is actually losing strokes approach. But also, two guys since 2013. Every year, up in, from 2013 to 2020, he gained at least 0.2 shots on the green. Last two years, he's lost strokes gain on the green. So, yeah, it's great that he's going to go get a new swing coach, but not only is he having trouble with his swing, he's having trouble with his putter, too. And when you're fighting both of those, both those conundrums, Sam, if you get one of those right, you can start can, you know, at least making cuts and making decent-sized paychecks. But unless you get both of those six, like he was back in 2015, 2016, 2017, he's not going to contend like he was. He's not even going to be close. No, you're exactly right. We see that all the time. We saw it with Jordan Spieth earlier this year when he was going through the swing change. The putting suffered until he realized it and, and got it corrected um, and had a little bit better second half. Uh, Woody, I got two more things on, on this Butch Harmon, Ricky Fowler situation. I know that some of our listeners might be at home right now saying, why doesn't he just go back to the old laid-off Ricky like he was coming out of college? How hard would that be for him to go back to the swing he did have? Because I feel like after you hit you know a million and balls, uh, you know, it, it, with a different swing and, and different feels and things like that. It's not that easy. It, I, I think it almost goes away. 
Oh, it can, but but I, you know, we always laugh that these guys. It seems like they they go to sleep one night, and the next night they come out and they they set the house on fire. Right. So, it, it, once you've played at that high of level, again, guys, I truly believe even with his putting, and I agree with T Dub. I he's putted terrible, but the human brain in golf is bigger than almost any sport I know of. Okay, and it is uncanny when that between the years that zero zone up there starts believing again. You're just you can do things that you didn't think were possible, but when you're beating your head against the wall over and over and over again, your confidence becomes so deteriorates just so badly it just destroys it's pretty hard to get out to the golf course and even want to go to the golf course. So if Ricky can get back to where he feels like he's striking the ball solidly, make a few putts, actually enjoy golf again, I don't know. It's, just, it's a crazy, crazy game. It, 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 you can see guys come back from just nowhere, and you can see guys go from the top of the hill to just bottoming out and never coming back. So T-Dub said something very important. We don't know what's going on in his life. Yep. You know, Ricky is Ricky's set for life. He don't he doesn't need to worry about money, right? Yep, absolutely. No, not even close. Well, I hope not unless, not unless he has a secret Phil gambling addiction we don't know about. <laughs> right? Yeah, we right. don't know. Exactly, and I mean, he's gone through major life changes, like getting married, having a kid, all that sorts of stuff, and then let's talk about the other side of this dynamic, Woody, because I know you know uh, Butch Harmon a little bit, and I'll ask for a story in a second, but first I want to know, you know, from an outsider looking in, what does Butch Harmon do different than a lot of other teachers, And, and, you know, for maybe someone who doesn't follow the game as closely as we do, why do all these players, when they're really struggling, go to Butch Harmon? Harmon uh, rather than someone that's super technical. I think when you look at Butch compared to the other teachers, Butch Harmon, I don't, I don't even think he owns a track man. Now he might want to have one out there in his studio, but he doesn't rely on that. He he'll use a little video, but the main thing Butch teaches is basics. He will look at setups. He will look at grips. He will look at a lot of things that the younger. Oh, I wouldn't say the younger always, but the the teachers of today are much more analytical. Butch is more about building your confidence. And I call him the swing whisperer for a reason. And he does things with their minds, gentlemen. That's what he does. He builds that confidence back. Yes, he knows how to teach, but he's not going to go some radical big change with Ricky Fowler. He's going to talk to Ricky Fowler the way he used to, and say, what the hell's wrong with you? You're one of the best players in the world. Now let's get our shit together and let's get this thing mm-hmm. figured out, okay? Right. Because you have all the talent in the world, young man. I don't know why you lost it, but we're going to get it back. And and he will browbeat him with that. Just build his confidence, build his confidence, build his confidence. And that will be what happens. And that's what Butch does. He takes a guy that has reached the bottom, and he builds him back up. It's like Legos. He takes it a piece at a time. I don't look for it to be overnight, but I think you're going to be really surprised at his swagger for next year. He's going to get that confidence back. Butch Harmon is the king of confidence. He he will take anybody 
and make them feel like they're one of the best players in the world. He's notorious for doing it, and he's really good at it. What do you have any Butch Harmon stories for us? I know that you spent some time around him. I used to love – one of the things I did when I was on tour is I would go to the range when I knew a, a Butch Harmon or a Jim McQueen. Uh, the, these guys that were really what I called the echelon of the teachers back in their day. And I'd watch them give a golf lesson. I'd just sit and listen. And I always found with Butch, Butch had a, a just a real dry sense of humor. But he could connect with the players so good. There was a young girl. I'm not going to throw a bunch of names out. There was a young girl. I had a, a video of her swing. And I showed it to Butch one time. And I said, Butch, watch this girl swing. She was 11 years old. And he watched it a minute, and he watched it a minute, and he handed me back the phone. I said, what do you think? And he said, what do you do me a favor? <laughs> and I said, okay. And I'm thinking he's going to tell me to work on something. He said, just don't screw that up. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you screw it up with him? <laughs> no, but but like all all kids, uh, they, they get lost somewhere along the line where they think there's a magic potion and – Everybody has an idea for them, and everybody's got a swing thought. And, uh, you know, I, I can't guarantee that they're ever going to be a world beater, but I loved it what Butch said to me because that's him in a nutshell. He, you know, he, he didn't go into all the things that I thought he would. He just said, just don't screw that up. That's really good. Uh, you don't see that kind of swing speed at that age. You don't see that kind of rotation at that age. He, he said a couple of things, but mainly he was just saying, just don't screw it up. And that's Butch. That's, that's exactly the way Butch is. That dry sense of humor. And, and he knows what good looks like. Um, the fact that when did Tiger play his, what would you guys consider his best golf? Who was teaching him? I mean, Butch Harmon. I think Butch everybody would agree close. with that. It was not even close. It, it, it wasn't even close. I mean, uh, you know, all the other guys had these little swing thoughts for Tiger and they changed this or changed that, but it's only because Tiger Woods was so good. But when you want to talk about pure, I saw I saw Tiger Woods at Valhalla in 2000 at PGA. I watched him hit balls on the range. I watched him go from his wedge to his driver. I never saw anything that even resembled a miss hit. It was it was the most beautiful session. I mean, I was just in awe. And you were this year watching him at Southern Hills. You guys don't even know what this guy was in 2000. But I was what I found, what I was surprised at, after he left, I went down to where he was hitting ball. You guys realize something? I could barely find a divot. <laughs> yeah, he, just barely, he just sweeps it every time. Just little he, off the ground. He, he had the most gorgeous golf swing that would shallow and move through the golf ball and virtually not even hardly blimmish. But ground. still compress the ball. And still compress the ball and still – I mean, when I watched him hit those balls that day, guys, I looked at my caddy and I said, how in the hell do you beat this guy? <laughs> There's no way. There is absolutely no chance because he not only did it on the range, he did it on the golf course. And then he was the world's best putter. And, and probably, probably best chipper, too. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it was – it was a show. It was the darndest thing. I was just really tickled because I told my caddy, you know, I played Tiger in 92 and 93, and I beat him both times we played. And my caddy looked at me and goes, there's no way. And I said, yeah, I did. He was, 
he was 16 and 17 at the LA Open, and I clipped him both times. I said, go back and look at the record book. And he goes, oh, man, there's no way. I said, I got him both times. And I said, but you know what? He got me in 99 at PGA, and I got a feeling he's going to get me this year at PGA. So I'm going to be two or two with him, and I might quit after that. There, there, you, there you go. That's such a great story from Jim Woodward there. Uh, guys, let's end the show. Uh, we're going to have Scott Verplank um, on our show on Wednesday. So I do want to bring up a couple things that we might not have time to get to um, for our live preview and Napa preview next week, uh, along with the Scott Verplank interview. Uh, one thing that's interesting about the live event this week in Chicago, T-Dub, is the fact that they're going to go up against the NFL for the first time. It's a it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday uh, event. It's the 16th, 17th, and 18th, T-Dub. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, you know, we were talking about this a little bit off the air. I don't know how much I agree with that. Um, I, I, the NFL is so hard to compete against. I would have thought a very simple Thursday, Friday, Saturday like they had done when they first started, I think that would be a much better approach. But, I mean, I guess the final round is going against college football, but yet the NFL is so much bigger than college football. And and also, too, we have the uh, the, the, the Fortnite or the Fortnite Championship, as we call it, this starts this weekend as well. So we're going to have the final round of the live going against the NFL and the final round uh, of the Fortnite Championship out in Napa. So I, 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 if I was a live person, I would prefer if the tournament was Thursday through Saturday. And I think, too, that Thursday would maybe draw even some more uh, ratings going against uh, Fortnite because also too being over in Napa the coverage is going to be later on in the afternoon so you'll be able to watch the live early in the day then just transcend or uh, transcend over to there and watch that so it's not the end of the world but at the same time Woody I, I don't know if it's the the best decision because we even saw this um, at the, at the far at, at the uh, Farmers Insurance Open where the uh, the uh, at Torrey Pines where they ended on Saturday because of the, I believe, the AFC Championship game or maybe it was the uh, divisional round, something like that. So this approach has been set in the past by the PGA Tour, but it looks like the live isn't really caring. And they're just saying, screw it, we're going to go against the NFL. Oh, I think they had their minds made up. How are they going to do this year? And I think they feel like they've been very successful. I don't think once football season started, they, they had any, any thoughts that they were going to be able to compete against football, which we know in America, you – you can't compete against football, whether it's college or pro. So I think when it comes down, once the fall gets here, I think people just kind of transition into watching football. So I think the live is going to hold to their guns. They, they're going to play out these last four tournaments. They're going to try to steal a couple more players, and if they can get a top ten, they're going to be really happy with that. And they're going to kind of – well, reflect on what they did right and what they did wrong. I think they've got to look around and say they've had a good year so far. I think they'd be crazy if they didn't. And they'll go, okay, so now we know what we're going to do for next year. And we're going to wait on the PGA Tour to see what they do. And then 2023, guys, uh, it's great for us because our podcast is going to get bigger and better. 100%. And to me, I think it was just – you know, a, a kind of tough schedule here with Wentworth the week before Chicago was planned to be. And so they, they had to give these guys time to travel, not only travel back from England, but have a, a couple day break there. I think that that's the reason why they're pushing it all the way back to Sunday and not having it on Saturday. I think that once you get into the fall in a perfect world, like if I was scheduling live events next year, I'd put them in the middle of the week, like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But obviously on a week like this week, they couldn't do that because Wentworth ended on Sunday in England, T-Dub. 
Yeah, so that, that, that goes, that's an extra element that people don't really consider when you're trying to compete against other tours. Not only do you need to take, really probably take off the weeks they play, but you can't really start that fast after that event. So you have to not only look at during, but also after as well. But also one thing to look at this week too, guys, is that Liv is, is going to continue their trend of going to really great golf courses. Chris Harvest is where uh, local school, Oklahoma University, I'm won the Brad 2017. Our, our man Brad Dawkins, where he he uh, was in the uh, the final match and closed it out for him. So back in 2017, and also too, they hosted uh, this course hadn't been open very particularly long. I think it opened just after the turn of the century. No, it opened 1989, so a little bit older than that. But nevertheless, they hosted the 2019 or 2009 Solheim Cup. They had the 2015 Palmer Cup. They had the Western Amateur back in 2015. They had the Palmer Cup last year, 2021. So it's uh. It's a, it's an excellent golf course, and Woody just continues the trend that that the live is not only going to keep hosting pretty good events, but they're going to keep going to really awesome golf course. I think they got what we got is you know the PGA Tour can't get every great golf course. Uh, it's impossible. There's so many great golf courses in the United States and around the world. So live live's going to have great venues because of that money they've got, and these other golf courses around the world and country that can't get a PGA tour have been dying to get a PGA tour. Well, now they have another option. They've got live and we've talked about it. These 48 guys are getting better every week, every week. They feel get stronger. So, Hey, they don't care. They want a golf tournament. They want a golf tournament at their golf course. Heck for that matter. I think Oak Tree national ought to look at them. I would. And hey, a, a quick question. I just kind of thought of this because I, I've seen a few terms, especially over the summer. If you get you get more than a hundred people in a field, it doesn't matter where you're at. The course gets beat up so bad. So right. I mean, I'll, I'll just ask you, Sam. Start off with. Do you think that having three rounds with a third of the field compared to four rounds with 140 players? I know there's a cut on the weekend still. Do you think that's going to attract maybe more golf courses because the course won't get beat up so bad? Because to me, it seems like that's one of the main reasons that a really exclusive golf course don't have tournaments. Number one, yes, I agree with that. I, I think that that could be something that courses look at. Number two, we're going to see other venues like the International that we saw last week. We already saw that Liv is willing to cut their fans down to be able to visit these other venues you know, and have a limited crowd. Now, we're going to have a bigger crowd in Chicago, but that's because Rich Harvest Farms has more room uh, you know, around the golf course. And so the fact that not only is the golf course not getting beat up as much, but you don't have to, you know, uh, have all the surrounding areas of the golf course be so beat up with tents and, and you know, traffic as well, Woody. Well, that's why I, I said Oak Tree National would be a perfect place for this because we, the majors, have outgrown Oak Tree. We don't have There's any no room. place for all the tents. There's no room. And, and, so and for people that might that, say, why can't you put it on, you know, the West Course or whatever, it's owned by two separate people, so it would be a tough deal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's almost impossible to do that. And, and and what we talk about when we host a major at Oak Tree, we want Oak Tree National. We want we want that golf course. That's what people want to see. And even even that in Oklahoma, Southern Hills has gotten to be so good, and they're the perfect place for a major. Our days of majors in Oklahoma City or Edmond are, are few and far between. We might get a, a seniors event. We might get another senior open there. That they're talking about it. So, yep. but. If you want to see world-class golf, Lib's a heck of an idea. It's a great type of venue to look at some of these great golf courses, put these guys on it, 
And like I said, you know they pay well. You know Liv's going to pay whatever it takes to get these golf courses. But that just gives them more credibility also, doesn't it, gentlemen? Your field's getting better and your golf courses are phenomenal. Hey, that's a pretty good formula for getting TV contracts and getting viewers. 100%. And they have the connection with all these Oklahoma players. I think we just started a little uh, idea there, guys. I think that Liv should come to Oak Tree National. I think we know enough people to where we might get, you know, the ball at least trickling on this thing, T-Dub. I mean, I've been wanting to go to a Liv event really ever since the first one in London when I knew they were going to be coming over here. So that would make my job a lot easier. I wouldn't have to go to three, four or five other states over. I could just go a few miles down the road. There we go. One hey, T-Dub. Go ahead. Hey, I was gonna. I was gonna ask Sam uh, if it's in our budget to go to Saudi Arabia to watch one. I'm in. Okay, I would go. I didn't, didn't think. I didn't think our budget would handle us traveling. To, <laughs> I, I didn't think our budget. Our budget won't handle us traveling out of state, I, let alone going all the way over there to four or five states away. So, T Dub, if you know something I don't, let me in on it. Okay, I, I, I'm waiting for someone to give me some information as well. <laughs> Well, guys, one thing I do know is that Liv is going to a really hard golf course at Rich Harvest Farms. I I, I think that, you know, whether you ask a college player, they have a a college event there every single year. And obviously, you know, the national championship in 2017 um, or some, you know, Solheim Cups like T-Dub mentioned. Every single player that I've ever heard play there in competition says that it's one of the hardest courses they've ever played in a golf tournament. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the Liv guys do over the weekend guys did we miss anything today i was just gonna say on on top of what you were saying sam look looking here uh, on the wikipedia page the the course length for rich Harvest arms goes 7700 yards which is oh, absolutely my. unbelievable the course rating is 79.1 slope rating of 155 which is the highest that you can have those are all numbers barely comparable to oak tree nationals we speak so just as sam said it's going to be an extremely tough test Oh, I think without a doubt. I, 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 I was going to tell you guys to end on a positive note that I, I fed my donkey today and, and I just watched him take a big old turd. So <laughs> it's a good day at the farm. <laughs> All right. That was Jim Woodward of Oak Tree National there on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Big thank you to Taylor Williams as well. This has been Sam Humphreys here on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. <laughs>